You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we engage questions and topics that have to do with our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're answering the question, what does the gospel have to say about masculinity? So there are a lot of definitions of masculinity or what it means to be a man, but how does the gospel speak specifically to this issue? What does Jesus have to say about it? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Stacy DiNardo, another member of our leadership team, Zach Wyrock, and Joe Coffey, our lead pastor. Our question today is, uh, what does the gospel have to say about masculinity? So uh, there are a lot of different ways you can define what it means to be a man, what it means to be masculine. What does God's word have to say? How does Jesus speak specifically to what it means to be a man? That's our starting point. Okay, Zach, usually uh, reframe this. Go ahead. Uh, I think that maybe where I would start is with two things, and I'll throw them out there, and then maybe we can aim at one and then aim at the other. The first is that the Bible unequivocally states that there is a difference between men and women. So there is a such thing as masculinity. So the Bible, I think, stands at odds with a worldview that would see gender as a social construct or uh, as a decision that you make at a certain point in your life where you decide I'm male or I'm female. Uh, The Bible would say, nope, there are men and there are women. God makes men and God makes women. Therefore, it means something to be a man and it means something to be a woman. And ultimately, God is the determiner of that that thing, whatever that meaning is. Uh, So there's a fixed point. Um, But at the same time, the Bible doesn't necessarily lay out a very restrictive understanding of of masculinity so that you're going to have Bible stories, for example, where uh, men display great courage and great authority and prowess in, in battle and all those kinds of things. And then you're going to have uh, scenes where men are weeping and in agony emotionally. And, you know, you read the Psalms where David is clearly broken and clearly struggling. And so uh, it maybe rejects kind of the simplistic understandings of masculinity that exist on either side of our culture, liberal or conservative, but it definitely offers a fixed point. So it's kind of a both and fixed point, but also within that fixed point, a range of expression for masculinity. And it does seem like the the consistent theme in the Bible about masculinity is a proper use of strength, right? I mean, it because it, one of the things that we know just uh, from physical science is that men have more muscle mass than women. And there is something that the Bible consistently talks about with men, uh, which is to provide their strength uh, in such a way that actually protects and serves rather than dominates and hurts. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And then also, especially if you add in that strength also can be uh, a strength of character. You know, I think of Jesus like in Matthew 6, for example, saying, uh, why do you worry about what you're going to eat? Why do you worry about what you're going to wear? Don't you know that God provides these things? And to see in some ways he's challenging, as a man when I read that, I hear him challenging me to say that, hey, Zach, you're not ultimately the hope for your family to provide what they wear and what they eat. And, you know, that's a mantle that you're going to try to pick up as a man. You are the provider. You are the... And Jesus saying that actually growth for you as a man is finding strength in being a child for your father who does these things. So it's that sense of both like, yeah, you are hardwired 
to with with physical strength and physical prowess that you're supposed to use for others, and then also this kind of emotional spiritual strength that comes from reliance on God. I mean, Jesus is very strong, but the night he's arrested in the garden, he's right. yeah. weeping and sweating and praying and and asking if there's any other way. And the strength he shows there is just a little phrase he adds at the end where he says, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And it's, it's incredible strength, but it is also weeping and agonizing and wrestling with God in that I way. That's that's the example that the Bible gives us in terms of strength is the ultimate example for any of us when it comes to what it means to be a man, what it means to be a human being is Jesus. And yeah. yep. Jesus at the at, at the core, what he did was lay down his strength rather than exercise it to its fullest extent because you know he didn't he could have done there are so many stops along the way to the cross where he could have exercised his strength and instead chose not to. Yeah, and then other times where he does. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, you see in Jesus this incredible use of strength where, like, he can look at Pilate in John, I think it's John 20, and say, you only have the power that God gives you, right? When Pilate says, don't you know I can decide if you live or die? And Jesus is just like, or they can beat him and mock him, and he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, I mean, it's like, wow, what kind of strength? I mean, honestly, even physically, like, what kind of fortitude is that? What kind of strength is that? And then yet at the same time, that same Jesus, hours before, was weeping and struggling and praying with God. So he just in this incredible ability to be both what we would think of as stereotypically male and yet at the same time be emotionally vulnerable, be be spiritually honest and transparent about how he feels and be able to voice that. It's really an incredible so, paradox. So yeah, I, what, oh. I want to get back to the Psalms eventually just because I think that's such a good place to see this you know the the realm, yeah. But I want to ask Stacy. Stacy, you have two daughters. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to your daughters and they're just uh, starting to uh, look at boys and yeah. dating and everything, how do you try to uh, help them know what they should be looking for? Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot in that that I hope that they're looking for. I think the biggest thing is number one, wanting them to look for. A, a man, a young man that is going to lead them spiritually um, and that is going to have integrity and have character in those ways that are far outside of maybe culturally when we think about masculinity, what the stereotypical masculinity is. So, Wait, let me, let me back you up there just for a second because you used the phrase uh, lead them spiritually and that's a phrase that we use a lot uh, yeah. as a woman. Uh, what does that phrase mean to you? I think it's coming alongside and always pointing me, pointing my daughters to Jesus. Um, yeah, always pointing them to Jesus, growing them closer in that because maybe they're just growing closer to Jesus themselves. So demonstrating that, modeling that is of the most importance. Um, that doesn't mean, again, I think feel like, Jimmy, you just said this in a podcast that you're coming home and taking the Bible out and sitting down and having a Bible study every day, right. but that they're demonstrating and modeling that character and putting that as the highest priority is just their growth spiritually. So, Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, too, the outside of strength, though, when we think about the cultural just stereotypes of masculinity, what are the things that do need to be debunked and can be debunked through Jesus' life, as we've already started to get into, um, outside of just strength? We've talked a little bit about strength and vulnerability. Maybe a good way to approach that is for us to paint the cartoonish picture of what it means to be a man and then talk about how those things are debunked by the gospel. Well, I think, uh, yeah, the Clint Eastwood 
kind of uh, caricature of what it means to be a man, strong, silent, killer Liam Neeson. Doesn't I ever have, cry. I have a, yeah, I have a certain set of skills. Uh, yeah, skills that, that make me and a there's, nightmare for a person like you. Right, yeah. there's something about that that appeals to, to men, right? We want to be like that. Uh, but that's kind of why I wanted to go back to the Psalms because one of the things you find in the Psalms are uh, the best worshipers in the yeah. Old Testament were men. Not women, mm-hmm. the the singers were men, not women. the 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 prayers were men, not women. You go into the average household, and the one who prays might be the wife and not the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when I ask Stacy about what it means to be um, a spiritual leader, that's kind of what I was trying to figure out. Is I don't I don't think. Uh, it should be that I go to my wife and I try to hold her accountable for how much time she's spending with mm-hmm. God. Uh, it means that I am going to be uh, working on my relationship with God in a very, very uh, intentional way uh, so that when opportunities come, then I can speak into her life yeah. and God can speak into my life uh, in such a way that actually changes me. Yeah, it's interesting with the Psalter because I think this is what you see in Jesus with his uh, the night he's arrested and then his being uh, tortured and then murdered and how he handles himself. Because what you see in David is a guy who on the battlefield will say to Goliath, God is on my side, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in his private prayer life, will be saying, where are Where you, are God? You? Yeah. What are you doing, God? Yeah. And it's amazing to me. I think some of the, and I just say that like, I remember hearing a quote once, I can't remember who said it, that courage is being the only one who knows that you're scared. Right? right, and it's like this is almost what you get with the life of David because on the battlefield he's fierce, but in his own private prayer life he acknowledges his need for God, yeah. and his doubts and his fear and his insecurity, and you know it's it's interesting because I, I and he I, travels the whole spectrum. Yeah, right? I oh, mean, because there are times God. in the Psalms where he is soaring. Yeah, but the interesting right. thing to me is like some of the greatest strength I think you find in the whole Bible are some of the Psalms where David will be lamenting and mourning throughout the entire Psalm. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he'll say something like, I trust you, right. Right. Yeah. but I trust you. And it's like, right. he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't have a solution. He doesn't hear from God. It's just like, that's strength, right? Because he's saying, I don't know, I'm, I'm freaking out over here, but- It takes way more strength to trust I, God. I trust you. And, yeah. and it's interesting because, and this is where I think we can come full circle with like how we as men understand masculinity and then how women understand it. Because even things like spiritual leadership, I think if you want your husband to be a spiritual leader, you almost have to give him the grace of being able to strike that balance. He has to be able to say to you on the battlefield, we're going to do this. This is what God wants. We're going to do it. But he also has to be able to say in those intimate moments, I'm freaking out. I don't know what God is doing. And I feel like if we ask men only to do one— then what they do is they just eject from the whole thing, and it's just like, that's too much for me. And, and that's where I think we have a lot of men who probably need to be open and honest about their mental and emotional health and to see that toughness in the Bible. I mean, David is tough. No one's questioning that. Jesus is tough. No one's questioning that. The Apostle Paul is tough. No one's questioning that. And yet every one of them have these moments of, of being overwhelmed, of, 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 being, of being broken, of being in need. And I think that's good. And, and, it, and it's both. You can be tough and you can need help. Those things are not mutually exclusive.
Absolutely. And that's what I was, I was thinking about those that are raising sons, which Zach, you are, and how in this culture, there's such an expectation though, to not let the wall down, to not necessarily be vulnerable. And so how even are you coaching young men or how should we coach young men to strike that balance between the strength and, hey, we can do this, but also that it is okay to have emotion. It is okay to be vulnerable about things and to not necessarily have it all together. So Yeah, and it's tough. And I think that's where, as a guy who has five kids, two of whom are boys, I'm very thankful that parenting is a team sport. Yeah, for sure. Because I I think it's true. When my three-year-old son hurts himself, my instinct is to kind of come alongside him and go, hey, suck it up. Be tough, right? And I think there's some truth to that because life is going to throw some things at him and he's going to need to have the resolve to say, I'm hurting, but I can keep moving. My wife's tendency is to put her arm around him and to say, I know that that hurts. And the truth is my son needs both of those things. That raising You can't cry about everything, but there's some stuff you have to cry about, right? That's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And, And I think, you know, maybe our job is to maybe just ascribe legitimacy to both of those things and to trust that as he grows up, he's able to know when he needs his mom's voice in his head and when he needs his dad's voice in his head. But our job is to equip that both those voices are there. Both of those things are are in his head. Yeah, I've got actually an interesting dynamic in my house right now because, and I, this just came to mind, Zach, as you were talking, I just had, I recently had twins. One's a boy and one's a girl. And it it's dawned on me recently. That Which puts you at what, four girls in the house? Four women, yeah, my wife and three girls and then me and my son. Uh, (laughs) But right now, even now, I can begin begin to to sense myself feeling and thinking differently when my three-month-old daughter is crying and the way that I pick her up and talk to her as opposed to the way that my three-month-old, and they're three months old, you know, my three-month-old is old. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Be nice, Jimmy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I can I can feel it within myself that like I can already see that uh, there is a almost like a countdown clock to how long I'm going to be really 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 consoling to my son when he's crying and there's going to be some point where I you know and I, I don't know if this is right or wrong but where it's going to flip where I'm going to be talking to him a little bit differently when he's upset in the so that'll be really interesting because most of us didn't have that because we had our son one at a time we, I have or, a yeah. son and two daughters but. Yeah. And I'm sure I treated them differently, instinctively like that, yeah. which I don't know if is a – I mean, I would say it tends to be a bad thing at three yeah. months. <laughs> but yeah. but most of us don't have yeah. don't have them both there. Yeah. Both right. – you know, yeah. I mean, well, uh, three-month-old yeah, girl, three-month-old like, boy. Exact same yeah, right. age, exact same that's situation. What I told yeah. my wife when they were born or even before they were born was I was uh, – you know, at one point I was even saying, I'm nervous about this. I've, I have a daughter who's five, a daughter who's three. I feel right. like I've got a handle on, on how to girl be thing. a, a yeah. girl dad, <laughs> but I have no idea what to, like, I feel like there's a different level of expectation yeah. as a father in yeah. the way that I interact and relate to my son. And that ties back to what does it mean to be masculine? What well, it's it interesting because be I think man? of when the apostle Paul said, uh, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And, and you know, and I think what, as it relates to this, that it's really important for fathers to have their masculinity being consistently shaped by Jesus, right? And by the Psalter and by all these things where we're saying, you know, uh, I need to be able to be tough on the battlefield, but vulnerable in my prayer life. I need to be, you know, strong when I need to be and soft when I need to be. And and it, it makes sense that as we are being shaped, right, then so also would just vicariously would our sons as they watch us 
walk through masculinity and then as we as we deal with them. But in so much as we're not letting Jesus speak into our masculinity, then we are offering to our sons a version, but probably not the version of what it means. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you started out by saying, how does the gospel inform masculinity? And I think that was a great way to phrase it because uh, the more we look at Jesus and the more, you know, Zach's talked about Jesus, the more, you know, I, I never think about Jesus when I think about masculinity, just that word. When you first yeah. said, this is going to be what the podcast's on, my, my mind didn't immediately go to Jesus. If you had said, we're going to talk about compassion, my mind might have, love, I might have gone to Jesus. But masculinity, I didn't go like Samson or... initially yeah, to him, and he is absolutely the one that we should look at. So the yeah. Gospels would be a place, if you want to study masculinity in the Bible, go to the Gospels and read carefully Jesus because the, the strength that he shows, the sensitivity that he shows, the compassion that he shows, uh, even the vulnerability that he yeah. shows is remarkable. Well, and I think one of the ways the Gospel informs how we think about masculinity is that I am not loved by God based on how masculine I am in my own understanding. Like it's not my strength, it's not my courage, it's not my that my my resolve that makes God love me, right? I am loved by God because of what Jesus has done for me. And so the ultimate evaluation of me or the ultimate metric of me is not where I fit on a scale, you know, like how close to Chuck Norris I am or or not. And I, I really think that's important because I think a lot of men wrestle with the expectations that other people have for them. Absolutely. Their employer, yeah. their wife, their children, their girlfriend, their parents, their... To be a man, I think, and not to say it isn't true for women, but just I'm, I'm a man. To be a man, I think, is to live up under the burden of what everyone needs from you and wants from you and expects of you. And I think if you rise or fall or believe that God's affection for you rises or falls based on performance, I think that's going to take you to some pretty dark places. One of the ways the gospel informs my masculinity is to say that that God loves me because Jesus was perfectly masculine in my place. Right. And uh, some days I'm a great example of that, and some days I'm not. But praise God, his affection for me isn't rising or falling with my masculinity. Yeah. To just be set free from the need to meet those expectations. You are who Jesus says you are, not who the culture says you are, who you say you are, or even those who have expectations of you say you are. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.